You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And join, actually, before we get to who's joining me on the podcast, I've got to first say a huge thank you to all of you. If you're a new subscriber, if you've been following along since the very beginning, this is episode 200 of the podcast, which is absolutely crazy to me. Not only has it been fun hanging out and sharing stories, talking with new people, but the connections that I've made through the podcast, both guests on the show and listeners of the podcast, I have lifelong hunting buddies now because of what we've been doing with the Nomadic Outdoorsman. And I do want to give you a heads up. There were some technical issues. Our guest on the show today is John Lehman. He's from Alberta, Canada. And for whatever reason, last night, it seemed like we had technology stuff going wrong left and right. But towards the end of the podcast, we got that sorted out. And hopefully, it's all taken care of in editing. But I did want to give you a heads up on that on the front end. Now, John has had an amazing season. We're going to dive into all the stories, and we've been keeping up because he's actually been on the podcast before. I talked to him months ago before hunting season started this year, and he had a killer season. And following along on social media, I've been texting him saying, dude, congrats, saw the awesome bull you shot, saw the awesome buck you shot, but I haven't actually heard the stories. So, you and I are going to hear all these stories together for the first time on the show. I'm super pumped. So let's jump in. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to episode 200 of the podcast. It kind of seems weird that we're already at 200 episodes. I always made it a point to get to 100 because um, 95% fail before they make that mark. And to think that we're double that is pretty wild. But I've got a special guest on. Actually, John Lehman is on with me, and he's had quite the season. I've been following along, getting text messages from him, just keeping up with how his season's been, and it has been the complete opposite of mine. So, John, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. And 200, that's good. Nice to be on a uh, uh, number like that. You're doing well. Yeah, I talked to my buddy, Sean. He's been on the podcast more than anybody else, and I was telling him, he's like, dude, you got to bring me back on for 200, so he's probably going to be a little <laughs> upset. That I beat he- him. Yeah, he wasn't the guest. I was like, man, when you said that you could do it this week, I was like, oh, perfect. And then you said we could record Monday. And I was like, dude, that's perfect timing for me to edit it, get it off to the network, then post it. And uh, and it's always good to have a good conversation of success when when yeah. we hit a milestone like this. Yeah, this 
will be a good one. Hopefully, it'll be a good one. Yeah. I didn't know it was 200, so I'm kind of excited now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I didn't want to put pressure on you ahead of time and be like, dude, it's got to be good, man. 200 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully the story's good. The uh, experience that I had this season should be good enough for 200. We'll see see what happens. <laughs> yeah, dude. So well, tell people, for anybody who hasn't listened to the first episode that you joined me on, where do you live? Kind of what? what do you hunt? Maybe I know that's, it might take 15 minutes to explain what all you hunt, but I'm fine with that. (laughs) Well, it's just expanded year after year. So, uh, yeah, I don't even remember. I know we had a good conversation the first one, but I I'm from Alberta, Canada. So there's a city, uh, the the capital is Edmonton. So I live just outside Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So obviously living in Alberta, most people know all over the world. It's like a hunting Mecca. We got basically anything from sheep to you know mule deer waterfowl roll through here like crazy like elk black bears like you name it we got it a few things we can't hunt but for the most part for a province we're pretty fortunate to be able to hunt everything within driving distance so yeah for me it's uh it started off without getting too crazy because there we did have a podcast before but yeah it started off as just kind of deer hunting growing up and um, a little bit of moose nothing crazy though and then I picked up a bow and everything just kind of took off like I just you know started kept deer hunting started with the bow then tried moose you know got into waterfowl buddy wanted to go sheep hunting we've been sheep hunting now for five years um which was this year but uh i've done that for a few years but this year that's the big story and uh yeah i probably missed stuff in there bear hunting boar hunting i've done some wild boar hunting go every year now um we bear hunt every year as well and yeah and it looks like actually i got so we can't hunt goats in alberta um they stopped the goat hunt i I would i don't want to guess the year because i have no clue to be honest but we haven't been able to goat hunt here so i have a great friend of mine um Brandon he's with like kind of the scree group that I'm with for the camel company and so he uh, might be taking me this year on a goat hunt so yeah I try to get in everything I can done some turkey too which we can do in Alberta but I actually went to Ontario to do that um, because it's a pretty uh, long wait for a draw here in Alberta but yeah so that's kind of me dang dude yeah so you've got your you've got a lot of irons in the fire in the outdoor space um, yeah. what, what does that look like? Cause you said sheep hunting, you've been going for five years. Is there no draw for sheep up there for residents? So it's, it's open, um, for rifle up till October 31st. Okay. So they rut in November. So you have to get a draw in November to hunt rams. Um, and it's open in, in Alberta up from August 25th till October 31st. Dang, so- man. That's that's a lot of people's dream hunt, and so the fact that you can just go and get a tag and hunt yeah, every yeah. year is wild. Is it is it pretty open for non-residents to come up and hunt, or is that a draw process? Uh, I think it's a draw process, but I actually don't know. It's funny because I it's funny you bring this up because I just went to a dinner. Um, it was a Grand Safari Club dinner, like a fundraiser thing, and. I was talking to a guide from BC and like, I don't know the rules in Alberta except for a resident. And I even asked him, I was like, so like, if you don't have an Alberta residency, is it hard to hunt? And like, he was explaining like, as a Canadian, you can hunt or host a lot of stuff. Um, 
again, like it's funny you bring that up because I was just talking to a buddy about that today. I do not know enough about that and I'm going to be looking into it just because it's good to know if somebody wants to come up, um, see what the rules are. I've just never had, had to do that or had to look into that. So, uh, yeah, I can't answer that question for you for sure, but I do know people pay a lot of money. Yeah, man, that is, again, a dream hunt for, you know, almost everybody in the U.S. You can't hunt sheep anywhere in the u.s it, maybe aside from alaska as an alaskan resident but like yep. even going state to state they make it challenging for it seems like every species now like there's a couple yeah. states that do over the counter um elk and pronghorn mule deer things like that but even those it's like if you want to if you want to get after a mature buck or a mature bull then you you definitely have to be putting in points early on yeah yeah I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know sheep or the, the sheep world well, but like I've talked to some guides and I got buddies that guide and it's just funny, like, you know, to get a trophy sheep, you have to like be able to tell where the curl goes and like, it's hard to explain on the podcast. I can like show you, but there's like a line that runs from like the base of its antler down through its eye. And basically it has to curl and pass that, um, which is difficult to tell. Um, but sometimes you know, they call them like lamb tip squeakers. And like, there's, I don't know how to put this. There's, there's kind of like two trains of thought, like a legal ram is a legal ram. It's hard to kill a ram. I've been going five years, haven't got one. It's hard to do. So some people it's like, well, if you can kill a ram, it doesn't really matter how big it is. You pass that rule. But then I can get the point that I've heard from guides. It's like, if you just let those live and you shot, you know, 10, 10 year olds and stuff and 10 year old plus, you'd have a better population. Um, so I see where both are coming from. We actually passed on a probably a legal ram. We took a good long look at it and, and pretty sure it was legal, but we had that conversation and I think just, you know, letting those live a little longer and, and killing a bit more mature of a ram is, is something like I get, like, I want to be on board with that. That's kind of how I roll. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear those guys that know what they're talking about and they've talked about like how they should change the, the draw system. So like, if you shoot like a lamb tip squeaker that they call or just a legal ram, let's say, cause I don't want to take away from guys that do that cause it's still a legal ram, but uh, like maybe you got to wait five years to get another tag. Whereas if you shoot like a 12 year old ram, let's say, well, you can get a tag every year. If that's the kind of rams you're killing, then we'll let you have a tag every year, every two years. But so it's interesting to hear everyone's perspective on it for sure. Especially people that know a, a heck of a lot more than I do, but uh, it's good to be around those people because you learn a lot. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool and interesting that if you're shooting big mature Rams, that they make it easier for you to get a tag or, you know, even if that's just a proposal, like, Hey, this yeah. is what we should be doing. It's, it's very similar to the point system. Obviously, uh, in certain units in certain states, a bull might have to have four on one side or a certain length brow tine in order to shoot it. And it's like, yeah. if you don't meet that criteria, I mean, then you're, you're committing a wildlife offense, a wildlife violation. Yeah. Um, yeah. but just to have a management practice like that on board where it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're going out there and thinning out the, the, more than mature population we're going to reward you for that with an opportunity to do it again yeah yeah and again it's just kind of guys like right now if you shoot a legal ram like 
past what I told you, you can't hunt the next year, but then after that you can, you can get a tag. But so yeah, it's just guys talking over a fire. And like I said, these are guys that, you know, everyone's going to have their opinion on it. I'm, I have no problems telling you that I am when it comes to sheep, I'm newer to it. Like I think we've been out five years or four years. So I'm all learning and all ears, but I'm like you, I like, it's interesting to hear these different perspectives and uh, yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Like when being out there, but it, I mean, sheep hunting itself is, is you don't have to tag out to have success. Like my, my sheep hunt this year was wild. We went in, so we had never hunted the opener. So August 25th, you can hunt. So what a lot of guys will do is they do a lot of scouting, right? Find a band of rams and you can keep a good, eye on them throughout the year and then so they'll go in on like august 20th and camp out somewhere near them and just keep an eye on them for four or five days and on the opener on the 25th then bam they shoot one like the first morning but it makes the opener like very busy so yeah we went to a new spot for the opener which we'd never hunted the opener me and the guy i hunt with and i should specify i went on two sheep hunts this year so the the first one was the opener and so that started my season off we went down there, trailer down. That was kind of our base camp. And then we had like tents and clothes and like we were going to spend night on the hill or two nights if we needed to. Right. So yeah, long story short, we, we were exploring the area. We got into some rat, we got into some sheep, sorry. And, and uh, couldn't get into any rams. So we ended up, it, it's just funny how it works. Me and my buddy kind of got in an argument. So we go out and when you sheep hunt, everyone sheep hunts, it's all about weight. So I'm not that person. I'm, I'm always overpacking. So we go out the first day and do a hike, come back. And I'm kind of like, well, we should stay a night on the hill. My buddy's like, I didn't bring my sleeping bag. He had like forgot it. So I'm like, okay, okay. So next day we go out. I unloaded a few items of clothing. Next day we go out. I want to stay a night on the hill. Like that's kind of what I love sheep hunting for that. Like that's what I want to do. And he kind of like got mad at me. He's like, drop it. We're not staying on the hill. I don't have a sleeping bag. So we go out the next day and we do this hike. And so we're going through this trail and it wasn't opening up. We're treated in, we're treated in. We get like 12 kilometers in and I'm like, well, and I should specify at this point, he's told me very specifically that we're not staying on the hill. So I've pulled all my clothes out of my bag, but I basically have the clothes on my back and it's August 25th. So it's like, 25 degrees celsius i don't know what that is in fahrenheit but it's warm in the day but at night it gets down to like four degrees or like zero celsius for here so i've taken all my clothes out only thing i left was rain gear no tent nothing we went okay hunters and they had killed around the year before so they don't you don't really tell a lot of stories with each other on the hill like they're not going to be like hey man there's rams over here but we're thinking and we're like, well, if they killed a ram here last year, because the one guy didn't have a gun and said he killed him last year, like they know there's rams here. So now we're 12K in, we're committed. Luckily, we walked in 18K, we got to 18K and we found a, a tarp and like a horse camp and a tarp that was folded up. So we used like a blown down tree, like the side of it to make a little fire, tarp ourselves in and slept the night and uh it was an experience but it was terrible i slept 30 minutes and i'd go look for firewood like i was cold like and it, we get winter here but it was just it was miserable <laughs> dude that is wild man i mean 
we we always talk to guys when they come out elk hunting and we're like dude you never leave any of your gear behind you know and yeah. i mean with that you think you're gonna make a day trip or something like that and come back and get the rest of your supplies but the the fact that you guys were able to find a horse camp and a tarp and at yeah. least be covered up i can't i can't yeah. imagine being out there i mean without like when when we go out when we spike camp it it gets so cold and it's like you know early in the season sometimes and even 32 degrees here is is freezing right and you'd think like 32 degrees you've got a yep. 20 degree sleeping bag you're good we still wake up just freezing cold. It takes a while to warm up. It takes a, a mountain house meal or something like that to where you can actually get moving and get the blood circulating and feel a lot better. But being out there with rain gear and a tarp just seems wild to me. Yeah, like it was not smart. And I've always like, oh, I want, I want to experience a night on the hill, like sleep under the stars. Yeah, I still... Like, I like that idea, but a sleeping bag at least would have been real nice for this or a good puffy jacket or maybe both. But yeah, leaving everything, doing what we did. Like, I'm not saying we're smart. People listening to this are probably like, Jesus, what an idiot. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, we had to make a decision. If we were walking out, we weren't going to come back in because the spot we actually could go class for sheep ended up being 24K back. So we were only halfway when we made the decision to keep going. And we only had a couple days left. So to go all the way back out, get the base camp, and then go back in in the morning, that's why we just said, you know what? In in our minds, we didn't think it would be so bad. Um, all right. So I've got to ask, with with that story, would you ever do it again? You said you wanted to sleep on the hill underneath the stars. Would you do it again like that? <laughs> you know what? I, I would probably do it again because I'm stupid. But... Uh, <laughs> I I'd overpack. I definitely uh I definitely would overpack. It's funny because what's the saying? I'm like, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And oh, I definitely yeah. I definitely needed some stuff and did not have it. And so uh yeah, I'll take the old pack it and not need it scenario. Dang man. That's it's fun. Like looking back on those memories, it's always better like to look back and laugh on that than if you were just nice and cozy and comfortable. Like for some reason, the struggle makes it more fun uh, when oh, you look yeah. back. And then you want to eat, right? Like you're hungry and like eating helps. Like you can like raise your temperature and like, like I had, we had a meal and then my buddy had a tiny little bit of whiskey and we had like blueberry, like sports drinks. So we mixed the whiskey with those and some water from the river and had like a warm like tea whiskey drink and like just anything to pass time like it was terrible <laughs> and the worst part is my buddy pulls an extra layer out of his backpack like after our little argument he i was for sure we're not staying on the hill and he pulls out another layer so i could hear him <laughs> snoring at at parts of the night and i literally slept at most 30 minutes like oh 30 minutes God was the most oh dude that's so funny that he pulled out an extra layer too <laughs> oh yeah oh uh, i could see my buddies doing that oh that's all you need that's all you need we, we don't need that and then <laughs> they're over prepared oh yeah it was uh but yeah it was you know good experience like you said i find sheep hunting 
it's like, it seems like that every time I'll go sheep hunting and I'm like, I do fitness and I do that stuff. So I think I'm prepared. And then all of a sudden I get to the mountain and you go climb them. You do your first climb and you're like, God, I hate this. Like, why, (laughs) why do I do this? Like, why do I sheep hunt? And I, there literally was a point on this sheep hunt where I stopped. Okay. I got one more story with the sheep hunt. It's unbelievable. So we're climbing this hill. We got this spot. You can drop back into this lake and it's like an old burn. So, you know, animals like the burn, like it well, after a few years when it gets really greened up and that's like what stages is. I told my buddy, I'm never going to tell anyone the story, but I've told a few people and now everyone's going to know it. So we're climbing and we're dying, like dying. Like he, he's stopping for breaks and I'm stopping for breaks and like we're sweating and we finally get to a good glassing spot and like just exhausted and so sit down and my buddy has this thing where he takes all his clothes off and hangs them up and airs them out and like you know to help dry himself out and i i have like good merino and and stuff like that so whatever so we're sitting there and i'm like man like again i'm saying like why do we do this i said honestly if i kill a ram i think i'm done like i don't think i'm ever coming again i just i'm finished (laughs) i'm never doing this and all of a sudden we hear this voice this girl is hiking up the same hill we just came up she couldn't be i don't know 140 pounds and four foot 11 five feet tall wearing converse shoes and jeans and carrying like a little <laughs> leather backpack strolls by us and i'm like hey how's it going she's like oh good she's like how far to the lake i'm like oh i think it's it's like a ways to the lake yet like an hour or so and like pretty good hike out um like i was kind of concerned she's like okay well you guys have a good day and she just keeps hiking up the hill and i just looked at my buddy i'm like really like (laughs) she just went right by us not a care in the world i'm like i quit i'm like we we can't do this anymore (laughs) dude that is so it's so typical for the mountains too because you do get those people we had we had i mean it wasn't the same experience at all but we we had packed in about 10 miles and we were at this camp uh we had set up this camp near the river we did some trout fishing and we were going after mountain goats and my buddy had drawn a tag for it and while we're sitting at camp it's like dark it's been dark for two hours and we're just hanging out like around the fire and we look over and we see this headlamp and we're like dude some like they might need help like what are they doing it's dark dark out and we walk over and here it's this dude and he is every bit of 320 pounds i mean just a big big guy and he's not very tall not in shape and he's probably if i had to guess in his late 50s and he goes hey did you see uh another girl and a guy come up this way and I said, yeah, about three hours ago. And he's like, oh, okay, good. So I'm on the right track. And I mean, it's it's everything for him to just carry on a conversation. He's like struggling to even get words out. And I'm thinking Jeez. to myself, man, like we were huffing and puffing. You know, we're, we're gaining elevation with every step and we're 10 miles back. But this guy, I'm like, dude, he might not make it out of here. I don't know. 
I don't know what he's thinking in the dark. You know, he his group must have thought like, oh, he'll make it up before dark. And he was well after. And he still had, I think, like two and a half miles to go to get to this oh, lake that a bunch of campers go to. So yeah. I don't know whatever happened. We never saw that dude again, but I'm I'm assuming he just ended up making it up to the lake with his friends. And uh Jeez. I yeah, that's that's more risky than I'm willing to go. I like to I like to have somebody with me in the backcountry yeah. you never know what's gonna happen. Well, props to them. And then it's funny, this story actually gets worse. <laughs> so so she goes by and again, I literally looked at my buddy and I'm like, we need to quit like this. I I thought we were these tough mountain men climbing this <laughs> hill and we just got passed. And then we hear more voices and these two girls come running down and they kind of stop and they're like, they're wearing like tights and like running shoes and like they're running, like they are running. We're in the mountains, they're running. And we're like, hey, they're like, hey guys, how's it going? We're like, good. So we just start chatting and they're like, like, what were you guys doing? Like, oh, we just ran. Uh, she looks at her watch. She's like, yeah, we did 40, 40 clicks today. We're just finishing. And they're like, we got 30 minutes to get back down to the parking lot. Uh, our ride's here. And if not, he's going to call. You know, he hits SOS. We got, like, a deal with him. It's it's the one girl's husband. And I'm like, what? We're like, okay, see ya. So they take off running. I just grab my bag. And I'm like, we're leaving. Like, we're, <laughs> we're going back to base camp. And we really have some things to go through here, like, <laughs> Turns out we're not as hard as we thought we were. <laughs> Dude, so, there's always anyway. those peak people, though. I mean, like when you get into those people that do mountain running, and especially if it's a popular trail, like there's guys that they'll wake up and they'll summit a 14er by the time you get to, you know, 10 a.m. And they're back down by the time we're even halfway up the trail. And we've seen that on other hikes, not hunts, but like actual hikes where people are literally jogging up. They pass us. They may have started, you know, two and a half hours after we did. They jog right past us. And before we make it up there, they're already coming back down. And I just, yeah. I just have to say to myself, I'm not that guy. I'm never going to be no. that guy. Like I'm no Cam Haynes, David Goggins, like, out there no. carrying 75 pound rocks up a mountain for fun. Like, no, I train, I yeah. do what I need to, to get the hunt done, but I have no desire to sprint up and down mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. I find, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you can be in the best shape of your life and the mountains, it's just, it's up here in the head. Like yep. it, it's a grind. It doesn't matter. Like he, like, you know, say Cam Haynes, like it's probably, it's a grind. I know it's a grind for him, but he just like has it mastered in between the ears where like, he just grits it out. Like I've been in really bad shape in the mountains and I've been in really good shape. And so it just sucks just as much, just how quick you get to where you want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks I, the same. It really does. I mean, it, the physical toll that it takes on you is there for everybody. Nobody's doing it without, you know, breathing heavy without their heart rate yeah. going. And it, it comes down to that mental toughness. And I tell people that all the time, like, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. I, on my first ever pack out with my elk, it wasn't my, it wasn't my first pack out, but it's the first bull I ever shot. We, we get on the radio with some buddies who aren't, I mean, they're a couple miles from us up on a trail. And I mean, where we had to go, we had to go to the bottom of the Valley back up another mountain. And then we had to run this saddle for three quarters of a mile to get to our bull. And my buddy's brother, and this guy, Dan, it was my first year hanging out with Dan. They show up and 
they come to help us pack out. Well, Shane and Sean, they both have packs. Dan has no pack. And I'm like, how are you going to help us pack out with no packs? And I kid you not, that guy threw a bag on each shoulder and he beat, and he's, he's 20 years my senior. I mean, he's got a kid just under my age and he makes it all the way up that mountain well before I do. And I'm just like, dude, it's not a physical thing. It's not that he's in better shape than me, but mentally the guy is just like, I'm doing this. And he goes, and yeah. I mean, since then I've kind of, I haven't done anything that like can train my mind. I guess I haven't like gone, I don't, I, I keep telling my wife, I want to do the ice plunge and like do that every morning. But honestly, I haven't done anything for training it, but I've noticed as hunts have gone on, I know what to expect. And I know there's going to be a point where it's up to me to say, dude, I got to stop. Like I'm, I'm not making it up this mountain or you just grind and go. And, uh, two years ago it was on a pack out for, for an elk. And I was packing out my elk. I had already been way back there to shoot it the day before a group of us came out. And for some reason that last leg all uphill, I mean, from the bottom of the Valley straight up the hill, I just caught that second wind or that mental motivation. And I hoofed it, man. I was going, I made it to the top dropped my bag, turned around, went and grabbed another dude's bag who was having a hard time, packed that up, went back down. And I asked the, the next guy, I was like, dude, do you need help? He's like, no, man, I'm so close. I'm going to finish it. And I was like, okay. And one of the guys thought I took his medication. He's like, dude, did you take, <laughs> did you take my Adderall? Like you're on something today. And I was like, I don't know what it was, but I just got that drive. Like, dude, the trails at the top, there's a there's a cooler full of cold beers. Like, let's get to the top. <laughs> All right. How many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope, trying to untie it? It's all knotted up and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you could fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or, I don't know, if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120 foot canister, a 70 foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything, anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today 
and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. Yeah, motivation, hey? I, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up here. It's it's in the head for sure. And I find like you said, as the hunt goes on, you like you find a way to grind it out. But yeah. after that mountain trip that we did, like not, you know, the meeting those girls was the day but I think it was a day before uh we stayed on the hill. Um but yeah, it uh I was ready for the truck and a good meal after we got down from that night. But like again, I, I, I know now I've been enough that like I know when I'm home and thinking back on the trip I'm gonna have good memories. But if I'm being honest at the time I'm always just like it's just a battle in the head. So it yeah. So that was the start of the season. We uh, like that was just that was trip one, right? Like we left. I I don't quote me on dates, but we left about the twenty second or twenty third of August, and we can start hunting on the twenty fifth. Um. So yeah, that was the first. And Dang, then we man. went after elk. Dude, <laughs> this is the story that I want to hear, man. I want to. I'm just gonna let you run with it. I'll have some questions, I'm sure. But dude, the pictures yeah. that you sent me, that's like. That's something that I, every year, I'm like, man, I'm going to go after elk with a bow and I have yet to do it. And this year I'm saying the same thing. Like I'm finally going to go and do it. And he, I told my wife that, and I think that's the best accountability because she doesn't get, she doesn't let me get away with stuff. If I tell her I'm doing something, yeah. she's like, do it, shut up or do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so this might be the year, yeah. but dude, walk, walk me through this story. After the sheep, I had to go to work for three days and I ended up. September 1st, I think I had something going on. So September 2nd, we're out after elk. So the plan was, you know, we're going to go out. We have two spots, kind of we'll call spot one, spot two. So spot one, we we go, we want to go out. And we've taken some calling courses and kind of planned more this year. Um, so spot one, we were going to go out and, and you can glass. There's a cornfield and they'll kind of go into some thick bush. So we go out. We've seen one bull. Uh, go out and into the bush and we didn't see much else so we figured they maybe got ahead of us like in the dark and went out there so we go out and we set up for a calling sequence and we're and we're doing some calling and i look back and my good buddy lucas that i hunt with he i think i see him go across the ridge and and so i kind of back out thinking he's moving like did he see something you know i don't know what's going on and we end up finding out it's other hunters so you know we go out we can see them but we we're like, damn. So we we're like, okay, hey, well, let's go to spot two. And spot two is where we'd killed the elk last year. So it's kind of like our good luck spot. And when I had called the landowner, he said, like, it's a dry year. If you, if I were you, I would sit that watering hole. So, like I said, it's like, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. I don't know exact time, but we decide we're going to go out there. And we're going to call our way to the water hole, like rather than, you know, so we do that and the wind started to pick up and we thought we heard some raking at one point, but no elk sightings, like no bugles. We're not getting any action. We get to the water hole and did our calling sequence and I decide to let out like a couple of bugles to see what happens. And when I do that, around the corner come two hunters and like <laughs> they got arrows in their bull. They're huffing and puffing, you know, they're... They thought I was an elk. They, they thought you were. They were getting on a bull. <laughs> oh yeah, they thought they were getting a bull. So you know, we they stay though. They I get up and they're a lot closer than those other hunters. 
So they come over and I actually ended up meeting the one guy previously. And, and I just, you know, I'm always like that with good dudes. I'm like, they show us some trail camera pictures. And like, we thought we had some elk out here and we were going to come intercept them. And we seen your truck, but we figured it's a big area. We'd come out. I'm like, well, if you guys want to sit here tonight, like we'll go somewhere else. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. We, we got another spot. Like you go do it, what you're doing. So, okay. But they're like, if you're going to sit this water hole, I would sit here early. So I'm like, okay. So me and my buddy get back to the truck and we're like, okay, let's go for lunch and then we'll come out. So like I, like it said, I might've told you this in other podcasts, but you know, pizza sub, high guard pizza sub, the greasiest, grossest gas station thing you can get is my good <laughs> luck charm. So we get that, we eat, we get back out. And this time we go straight to the watering hole. And so we get in there, we get straight to the watering hole and it's, I, I want to say it was about two o'clock again time. I don't really know. So we, we do some calling. I actually had like a 15 minute little snooze, you know, when you got the sun in your face and you yep. get up at 4am. Yeah. Everybody's been there. Those are the best naps too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They are the best and they, they don't even have to be long. So we get in there. So wake up, we do, we decide to do another calling sequence. And finally I'm like, okay, well my buddy's like, let a bugle go. So, you know, I put the bugle in my armpit. The sound gets a little bit further behind me. I rip a bugle and like before I, before it even got out of my mouth, like I took the tube and went to set it down. We see movement and like, bam, three, like three bulls. And like, I describe this story. And when I describe it, it's like slow motion, but it happened so fast that it was just like bulls. And we're like, Holy cow. So now, you know, they're coming in. So now it's hard to describe, but if you can picture, we're sitting on the north side of the water hole. The water hole kind of runs east and west. It's longer than it is, you know, north south. It's longer east west. Yeah. I'm on the west, like kind of the northwest corner. My buddy's to the east of me. So these bulls come out on the southwest and they come in. And the first bull, bull one, which is the one my buddy ends up killing, he goes on the north side. So the far side from us. I've ranged everything. He's about 50 yards, let's say, around 50. So he's up. He's going that way. The big one comes towards me. The third one I couldn't tell you anything about because, I don't know, I blacked out. I just know there was a third bull. So now this thing's staring at me, and it feels like it's staring into my soul. And like I said, (laughs) I took this course, and it's like everything in you as a whitetail hunter wants to hide behind things. Don't do it. They're like... As long as you have good camel and stuff breaking you up behind you and you don't move like, and I, I, I'm telling you, I vividly remember fighting the urge to hide behind this willow bush. But in my mind, I'm like, well, then how are you going to shoot this thing if you're behind that tree? So next problem, I'm like, how do I draw? Like what? Like I got six eyeballs in 30 yards and maybe 50, but like the other two are 30 like staring right at like they're looking at me like I, I like so as luck would have it and i tell everyone this is luck this whole thing was luck we people are like who decided who got the bigger elk there was no deciding the elk decided how they were gonna die <laughs> i wanted meat at the end of the day i would have taken anything so bull one my buddies he's stopped now behind the only willow bush on like it's the only like we're in some tree cover but like as far as the water hole goes, it's pretty open area. There's yeah. one tree and he's behind it. Like I can't see his head. So I know he can't see me. 
And the big bull at that moment just turns his head to look back at the third bull. And I'm like, well, this is it. So I draw. So now I'm at full draw, what feels like forever. And I'm not a patient person. So to be brutally honest, I don't know why I didn't just shoot, but I knew he was slightly quartering to me. And I just, I'm like, nope, this is not the shot. Like, wait it out. You just have to wait it out. So I'm waiting it out. And he just takes, at this time, the other bull, bull one, has now worked his way all the way into the water hole. So he's in the water. And I'm like, in my mind, and I'm going to rewind a little bit, because my buddy at the beginning of this, he, he said, well, if we see, and this, honest to God, all this happened, like, it's crazy. But he literally said, he's like, if we see two bulls, are we going to shoot two bulls? To which my response is, yes, we'll figure that problem out if we ever have that problem. Like that, yeah. <laughs> I understand the logistics, but we're not even going to think about that right now. We're just going to kill. So now fast forward back to the situation, like we're in it now. Like we're going to, we may have to think out the logistics of this two bull thing. Yeah. And so how far, his how far bull, is your buddy bull from one you? in the water? I'm at full draw at this point. My bull just takes a little step into the water. Just enough to be perfectly broadside. Oh my God. So he's, oh yeah. So he's perfectly broadside. Bull one's in the water. Next bull, don't know, don't care. I let her fly. So wham, whack, hammer him. Like, now, I don't have to tell you this, but like this happens like lickety split. So I'm like selfish because, well, I'm not selfish, but like I just shot a bull, looks perfect shot, double lung, didn't get a pass through. That's the only problem I have at this point. But mine now is running full sprint, like death run. Like he is out of here. So I grab my bugle tube. Okay, well, meanwhile, while this is happening, the bull in the water, I can just hear the rashing and crashing and he's frantically trying to get all the water. Well, my buddy's at full draw and right as he gets to the edge of the water hole, so he's out of it, my buddy hammers him. And now it was a good shot, but you know, he's moving. He's trying to get out of there too. So wham, whack. Well, all this is happening. I have a bugle tube in my hand and I just rip a bugle and mine does not stop. Mine's gone. Like, see you later. And his stops, and then he's like, range him, range him, range him. And I saw bumbling my rangefinder, get it. I'm like, 65 yards. Bam, hammers him again. Another good shot. And then now we sit there and we're like, what just happened? Like, we're like, I look at him and he's like, what did we just do? And I'm like, well, we did the two bull elk thing is what we just did. <laughs> And, like, I remember vividly saying to him, like, dude, was mine a good shot? Like, was mine a good shot? Like, that's all I could repeat to him was, like, was mine a good shot? And so, yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Dude. That is, like, I mean, it's obviously every hunter's dream to have multiple bulls that close. But the fact that you guys were both able to get a shot off at this at these elk just blows my mind. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was it it and that was just the beginning. Like you know what comes next. Like it's yeah, chaos. Yeah. Dude, that's that's wild, man. So how how far did your bull end up going? So yeah, the crazy thing that happens is we're both now like you know what it's like to shoot something. It's just like you're both just scatterbrained a bit. So we went and found blood, but now like it's fall. So you got green and browns and all these colors. You now you got two blood trails. So you got two elk. So luckily I had a buddy in the area. So we called him and we're like, dude, we need your help. Like we just shot two elk. And so the the short version of this is my buddy ends up finding his bull. And it took, had to take another arrow. Like, it was done, but, like, these things are tough. So, he gets that, and I got flagging tape, and we were able to tell, like, two separate paths, and we flagged them in two separate colors. Um. So, yeah, and then we start, we get his, and then we start looking for mine. Mine ended up going about 100, 100 to 120 yards. Dang. Dead, dead sprint and just died in the trees like mine was very hard to find just because i didn't get a pass through and he was full tilt so the amount of blood was you know not ideal for the situation for the time of year yeah man but still 120 yards like that's a whole lot better than him getting to the point where you're not finding blood anymore or you know once you hit that like 200 yard mark you know how it goes. Your your whole yeah. mindset shifts. Like, what just well, happened? And- I must not have been a good shot. You know, I've seen deer. I had a deer last season that I shot broadside, thought it was an absolutely perfect, like, 12-ring shot. And then it jumped 10 yards, stopped, and I thought I was going to watch it. I mean, I was watching to the heartbeat blood just pumping out of this thing. And so I'm like, this thing's dead. It's totally dead. And then it keeps standing there and keeps standing there. And two minutes go by of this. And I'm thinking, like, it's got to tip over. Well, then I realized, like, dude, I I need to pivot around the tree. It was my first time in a saddle. I pivot around the tree, lean back at, like, 45 degrees. And I'm, like, almost laying down in my saddle, get another arrow in it. And it still ran 120 yards out in the field and then died. And so I'm like, dude, imagine, you know, what was a lethal shot. The first one was for whatever reason, that buck just didn't, didn't expire. Like I've seen almost every other animal do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and to be honest, mine kind of like the story was that like we lost blood at about a hundred yards and like, I am. A, I was a wreck. So I was walking circles in the bush. Like I, I couldn't even. I would try to follow a blood trail, and as soon as I couldn't find blood, I just was like panic mode. I know how tough they are because the very first year I ever elk hunted with a bull, I, I shot one, thought it was a good shot, good blood, never found them. I've heard tons of stories. My buddy, his, I think his quote was when he put the other arrow in it. He's like, if that thing had thumbs, it would have pulled. It would have pulled the arrows out. Like it tried to pull them out with his mouth. 
and then dug its fronts into the ground. We had to dig them out with a shovel, like just tough, right? Jeez. Tough animals. So it took us two and a half, three hours to find mine. And we, we were, we were honestly about to give up. And my buddy's like, let's just grid search this bush. And as it would have it, like I sat down and I was like, please just let me find this, this bull. Like, I know the caliber it is like my buddy that wasn't there for the shot came back after we found his and he's like, Oh my God, Lucas shot an unreal bull. And all I said was, if you think his is big, you have to see mine. Like you won't like it, like not, not to take away from his, but I'm like, it Trump, like it, it's, you won't believe it. Yeah. And so how it worked was we grid searched up three of us through this chunk of bush. And then we turned to come back. And we were zigzagging and I yelled at my buddy and he was a little bit behind me. So I'm like, Oh, John, you're going too fast. So I just, there was a, there was a trail there and I just turned on that trail and kind of went to zigzag back and then come back through. And I walked right up to him and I was screaming at the top of my lungs, like the roller coaster of emotions. And, and the thing was, is like you just said, I knew it was a good shot. The problem was I didn't get a pass through. If yeah. it had been a pass through, and that's no fault. They're just tough animals. It's just, if if I would have had the blood, we would have walked right to it. it. It was doing its death run, and it literally ran, ran and piled up in a bunch of thick trees. And that's just, I just didn't have blood. And I just, we didn't give up. And I got to thank both those guys because they stuck with me. And like, yeah, it, uh, dude, yeah, it, what it was wild. Did you and, okay, so he shot a five by five. Is that right? What was that? He shot a five by five. Yeah. What was yours? It's a six by seven. Dude, how did you score it? Do you score yeah, your so, animals? Yeah, I did okay. this one because I'll put them in the book. And he was, I should know the exact number, but he was 334 and seven eighths, maybe. I'd have to get the sheet. I sent it in. He's right around yeah. 335 gross. Um, but he's 326 and change net. So he doesn't lose a lot. And of what he loses, it's that seventh point on the one side is like three and a half inches. Yeah. So he's very even like, yeah, big bull. Dude, Crazy. I can't, I can't imagine. I've, I haven't scored any of my bulls that I've shot. And I am curious, like I just this last year decided to start scoring some of the whitetails that I've got up on the wall. Yeah. And once I did it, I was like, man, this really isn't that hard. You know, my numbers probably aren't insanely accurate, but just to have a ballpark and kind of understand it, like I've seen bulls, I've seen all the bulls online that, you know, 400 inch bull, 360 inch bull, 320 inch bull. And so best guess is I've got one that might be creeping up on 300. Yeah. But I think my other ones are in the mid to low 200s. And yeah that's not taking away from them at all. I am thrilled with them, oh, but like, yeah, I can't imagine being that close. I've never been while hunting. I have never been that close to a bull elk only in like a park or something. You know, yeah. all of the ones that I've shot are with my rifle. There are yeah. 300 and the, the closest one was three thirty on my first shot. And then we walked down there and I looked over and he was staring at me at a hundred yards. And at a hundred yards, I was losing my mind. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even believe I was that close and yeah. shot him again and he dropped, but like 30 yards, man, I don't know it, how you keep your composure. 
I don't know how I did either. Like how everything just worked out and like, and I'm just the things you remember. Like when I tell this story, it's, it's remembering, like, I remember looking at his eyes and just like, I'm like, how there's no way he's, they're going to spook. But like, you know, you're thinking that, but you're just like, don't move, just don't move. Just let them do their thing. And like, it just, it just all came together perfectly. And you know, there's a million of these stories that don't come together perfectly. So like, I'm super grateful that it happened the way it is. And to get two is just like, we left the house at 4 AM to go out there. And I got home. I remember looking at my clock and it was like three or like two fifty AM. It was almost a full 24 hours. By the time we quartered and dealt with both animals. And then, you know, it's September 2nd, we called a buddy with a walk-in cooler and like just dealing with all that. Right. I'm like, this is September 2nd. Like, if if the sheep hunt that we talked about never happened, I usually don't start hunting till September 1st. So like this is September 2nd and I'm sitting there like, and you know how it is, right? Like, so then you go to the garage the next day and people want to come see it. So people are coming over, you're having a couple beers, you know, then you, next day you head to the taxidermist and deal with the meat. And so I, I, I probably took off like five to seven days not hunting in all of September and three of those were like right after I shot the elk. Cause I was just, you just have lots to do and you're just like taking it all in and like you're, you're regrouping. Cause my truck was just a disaster, like just <laughs> game bags and knives and clothes and bows. And like, you know how it is. Like yeah. you start ripping your bag apart, right. When you're doing that stuff. So wild experience uh i uh, you know i tell people this all the time and they're like no you're it'll it'll hop but i'm like i don't know that it'll ever be topped and it's not about size yeah it's just with a bow that's my first bull elk ever dang with a bull with a bow and to get two at the same time i just i just my i hope my kids tell my grandkids that story like so dude i feel like I feel like that right there. I mean, the amount of people that shoot a bull with their bow is already super low. Yeah. But then to think how many of them get two, you know, like yeah. them and their buddy, they double up. Like doubling up on turkeys is one thing. You know, you yep. shoot one and the other ones come to to stomp it and or to spur it. But with a bull like that has got to be you've got to be like i would say one in ten thousand you know yeah like it just doesn't to have that experience and it sucks like thinking about it like dude we might not ever have that again but you know how hunting goes every experience yeah. is different and it's yeah. like i want that one where i the video on youtube or facebook or wherever i saw it where the guy's sitting there he's not even drawn back because this elk was on top of him before he knew it and it literally brushes his arrow like the broadhead and like all of those things just blow my mind and i can't wait to actually experience that out in the woods yeah and you know what i find like I started taking like success a different way, even before this, like my kids getting out now and like just experiencing that. Like, obviously they don't do any crazy big game hunting, but I've had them out on some bird hunts and we talked last time I had them out on bear hunts. So you find success even in the hunts that most people don't consider successful. So I don't know, like it, yeah, it just kind of changes perspective. But then, you know, then, and then I was graced with this too, right? Like where, 
I, yeah, people are probably like, sure, it's easy for you to say that, but yeah, when you have an experience like this, it's yeah. So I mean, try to cherish it. Lots of pictures and like you know your podcast, and I did another one with a guy in Alberta about the story, and uh, I'm hoping to get in a magazine here just to kind of my I want my kids to look at it because like you say, I don't yeah. know what the odds gotta be slim like to i don't situation like it just lucked out it's early september the bulls were, were still kind of hanging out like uh, when i tell the story it's like like everything went perfect anything could have failed at any point those bulls could have seen us bulls could have caught me drawing we maybe couldn't have found my bull you know my buddy's bull that he shot if he hadn't went in the water he would have dipped into the trees way quicker but that slowed him down enough for my buddy to get drawn and kind of get a beat what was going on and once he hit the shore and was kind of going along the edge he just hammered him like and he wasn't going full speed yet so it just everything about the story it uh yeah it it just everything worked out and for, they, for them all to click is just insane so all right if you're not using tact cams reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife you are seriously missing out when you pair that with the Reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt. And not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card, and I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting, whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall. And some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their turkey hunter vest. And I take the cold world stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform. But one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. Dude, congrats, man. I am so pumped for you. When I first saw that, I think I saw the pictures and then I text you. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, no freaking way, man. Doubling. Like, as soon as I saw, I think I saw your picture first and then that you guys had doubled. And I was like, there's no way. Like, there's no way that just happened. I've got to, I've got to talk. And I mean, we've been talking about this now for what, five months. And, yeah. and I've been waiting. I'm like, dude, I got to hear this on the podcast before I hear it any other way. Like, yeah. people uh, need to hear this story. So, uh, Dude, and it's short, sweet. Like that's the, you know, some people expect this elaborate thing. Like, I mean, we knew the area. We'd hunted it for for four, whatever. I think it's four or five years now. So knew the area, but like for it to happen in a day, right? There's no like, well, we seen the bulls and we did like, no, this just happened in one day. And like, my Dude. my season 
wild after that like i mean we might have to do a third podcast but it you know i ended up getting in to shorten it like i could go on about everything but i i ended up you know after that which that experience like i mean it's crazy and it'll never be top but then i go out and i got a mule deer on the i think it was the 14th of september with my bow um so that happened and then I just knew I had some time, right? Because every hunter knows if you get an elk on the first day you go elk hunting, well, now you just, you gained yourself a bunch of days that you didn't think you were going to have. Yeah. So we hammered birds hard. Like I ended up getting a dozen shoots in, which for us was, was up there with the most we've ever done. Um, yeah. I ended up getting another two days in sheep hunting, um, which is where I had an opportunity on like, uh like a, a squeaker it was legal but we decided to to pass up on it like i said and so but i learned a ton on that trip like i learned because i went with my buddy who's a guide and he had just got back from the yukon and like we talked about the physical exertion piece and the mental piece well try even being in shape try climbing a mountain with a guy that just got back from doing it for three months in the yukon he's Dude. the only guy like so far been able to like put me in my place and i was rattled like he's like do you want me to help you get something i'm like i'll be fine like we'll get the- <laughs> him him and the girl in yoga pants those yeah, two are the yeah. only one that put you in yeah, your place. those two yeah the story i i said i would never tell anyone that i told the world but <laughs> yeah it's all part of it right so yeah you know 12 bird hunts you know doing that and then and then november hit and november is is just like i i thoroughly enjoy september maybe it's because it's nice weather too but um, then the grind happened for, uh, for whitetail and, uh, yeah, it, it was good. I ended up getting a 160 inch whitetail on the 22nd. That was with my rifle. Um, and yeah, the dream season just Jeez, like, put the chair on top. Like last year, I mean, we talked in the podcast, I ended up with a muley, a whitetail and a moose and that moose was a draw. And this year I ended up with the elk and, and a muley and a whitetail. So yeah, it was, it was an incredible season and, it, it was been good actually. And like with the elk, like t- podcasts and then my buddy started a company here, Logan, he, and uh, I just went to his place today. And so he scans these like 3d scans them now. So yeah. if anything ever your antlers, you can get a replica done. And in Canada, that's like new. I think you guys have it in the States a little bit more. Yeah. And they can print minis, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So in Canada, that's new. Like to my knowledge, he's like, he's, he's taken it on. And, uh, so I was there today and scanned it up. And so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like the one animal for me that like, I don't ever want to (laughs) lose. Dude, for real. That's, it's funny because I always think about that. I'm like, hopefully my kids keep all of this stuff, you know, like I don't have any hand-me-down mounts or anything from my dad or from my, my mom's big into hunting. My dad doesn't really hunt anymore, but I don't really have any of that stuff. You know, my mom's got all of her stuff hanging up in her shop and it'll stay there till the day she dies. And then we'll see who gets it. But I'm like, I can't imagine having a fire and losing all my, all my mouth. Yeah. Like that, that's right. I could lose yeah. my guns. I can buy a new gun, man. Like that's yeah. not an issue that I have no collectibles that I would, I could lose my side by side, but dude, if that, if the shop goes up, and all my mounts are in it, I would be devastated. It's like you hear people talk about losing all their photos back in yep. the day, like a fire happens and they lose their photos. That would be pretty comparable for me. Is losing 100%. And that's kind of why he started. Like 
to give you a little short background, he shot like a 160 inch whitetail. He hunts like the bow zone here, which is like notorious for huge whitetails. And he lost it uh, back. He, he took it into a taxidermist. Taxidermist passed away. It turned out the taxidermist was selling stuff and he never got it back. And his point to everyone was like, you're bringing someone, what's the number to this elk? Like, what's the price? Because to you, you you probably would love it, but also you never shot it. So to yeah. you, it would be a lot less. But to me, that thing is like, and so you take it to taxidermist and like, depending on the taxidermist, you might get a receipt or who knows what you get, but like they have a priceless possession. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's house fires and all these things that can happen. So it's genius. He scans it and like the detail he was showing me today in it. And he gives you a little USB stick and, and I mean, you're never going to get the amount back. That just is the way it is, but it, it makes it, you can make replicas then. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. So yeah, I've been doing lots of that elk and I'm going to go to a few shows too. Um, got it scored twice. So like I said, I, I don't have the sheet here and I should know the score, but like I said, like got it scored twice. And so right around 335 is gross and, and 326, it doesn't lose a ton of inches. And uh, yeah, I'll take it to a few shows and see if I win. And uh, yeah, but like I say, the rest of the season too is just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm blessed right now. I don't. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I don't know. Lots of. It's gonna be tough, man, to top a year like that. But dude, it sounds like you're knocking out like the big, big game animals one year after the next. So maybe next year, it's finally your sheep. Yeah, I know. I think I'm gonna make a big push for that, and like. I mean, I'll hunt elk because at the end of the day, it's about filling the freezer. That's That was the goal on this trip. Like, I got super blessed to get what I got. But next year, if I don't top that, I'm not mad. Like, if the freezer's full, the kids love elk meat. And, like, it's just – it's great to bring that home and not have to buy meat for another year. Um, so, yeah. Dude. Next year will be inter- – Yeah, for real. You got to come down and, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get you on any 330-inch bulls. I won't get you on any 160 inch white tails, but if you want to come down and hunt, I could probably get you on some coyotes or a really good long beard. Yeah, I would love, I love turkey hunting. what kind of turkeys we talked about this last time. Turkey hunting is like, I love it. I've done it in Ontario and it reminds me a lot of elk, like the calling and stuff in the spring for here. It's the spring, but yeah, dude, I've got, so of course, right. As all of our seasons wrapped up, I started getting trail camera pictures of everything. And I have so many freaking Turkey on camera. Like I could show you, they just, they parade. It's like, they're taunting me every single day. I go on, I get on my phone. I check today was weird. It was super warm and I didn't really have much going on. But it's like these turkeys, I've got a chunk of woods that I have six cameras around the perimeter of it. I don't ever go in the middle of it, although I could probably get some cool shots of stuff. But these turkey, they just parade around the edge of it. And I, I just got to show you on here. I know the listeners are probably like, what the heck? We can't, we can't see any of this stuff. But these turkeys will come through in like 50 and they just walk, they all parade one after the next right past. Like you can see, man, it's just, <laughs> and they go past like, every single camera. Jeez. I yeah. love turkey hunt, man. It's, yeah. It's, it's interesting, would, man. I'm we, still, I'm still not sold. I think because I had a crappy year last year 
or this year. I mean, my, my season start to finish this year kind of sucked. I did get a nice buck and that's about it. Uh, killed a raccoon and a couple coyotes also, but it's like just really, really a rough year, but dude, turkey hunting, I'm still trying to get that itch, man. Everybody gets it and they're like, it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm still not sold on it. I thought, I thought this year was the year I was just going to be like gung ho, die hard. And nope, I'm still kind of like, yeah, there's nothing else to do. Might as well turkey hunt. Oh, I, I, you know, but, but you're, you do it in the fall, right? No, we do it in the spring. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a spring and a fall season. I don't really ever pay attention to the fall season because at that point it's archery. It's archery and all of my big hunts are coming up. And so I don't really think about that, but get excited in the fall either like it's kind of like our bear hunt right you got a spring and a fall but i know the fall betters or bears are better like they're eating better and and fatter and whatever but like i'm doing so much other stuff i could care less but in the spring turkeys man oh we gotta go i'll get you a day i don't know how i don't know if we're gonna be successful but we're gonna have a hell of a time and then i'll bring you up here we'll do something we'll figure something out dude you just gotta meet don't don't come all the way down to missouri you just need to come down and meet me in wisconsin that should be closer for you. And my cousin will get us on birds, dude. That guy, he's had years where he's gotten 17 out of 18 guys long beards. And, I mean, it's just like lights. He has so much property that, that he has access to. And I think I'm finally going to go this year with him. So, And what kind of are they again? What do you Miriams? say? No, are these, they are, these are Easterns. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's what I hunted in Ontario, too. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's wild. I've never hunted. Uh, I can't say that I hunted out in Colorado, uh, for another subspecies. And then I've got a couple guys down in like Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee that are wanting me to get out yeah. turkey hunting with them. So like that could add a different species to the list. But for me, even like the grants, if you told me right now, like, dude, I will book you a hunt for every single turkey. And like, we're going to go and try to get the grand slam. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> what? That's what I want to do. I call it the poor man's grand slam because getting all the sheep. I'm not, that's not, I don't have money. Yeah. I can, I can hang out with the best of them and drink some beers and get friends and be like, why don't you come up and do this with me? And like, let's like, that's, that's poor man's grand slam right there. Yeah, dude. Uh, it, it might happen eventually, you know, if I catch that bug, but for now it's, the only thing open so i might as well get out and hunt <laughs> yeah well you're gonna be so shed hunt you're a big shed hunter right so i, I know. got into shed hunting last year and okay. i i just booked a trip i've got a buddy of mine from wisconsin he's gonna come down and then uh i'm going back out with my buddy steven walker we're gonna go hit up i don't know if we're gonna stay in new mexico or if we're gonna try to hit new mexico and arizona but he's already been out and they haven't been dropping yet but he's yep. been finding last year's sheds like he went out the other day and found six. So what? yeah, See, here's the thing you like turkeys, the shed hunting thing for me, I, I couldn't find a shed if my life depended on it. Like, I don't know what it is. And like, I bring that up because around here, they're just starting like in the last couple of days, like a couple guys here I seen on Instagram went out and found like seven sheds. So yeah. they're starting to come off here. And, but I, and I, I like getting out, but, you know, if I go one day and then two days and I don't find anything, I'm like, it's like sheep hunting. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah. No, this dude, I, I was 
I always wanted to find sheds, right? But like most of the places that I've hunted, they might have a bunch of whitetail sheds, but it's not like an elk, you know, it, you're not going to see it from a long ways off unless it's perfectly dropped in a spot. And yeah. I think at that point I had only ever found, I'm trying to think, I think I only ever found one shed while looking for sheds. And then I went down to New Mexico and I'm telling you, man, it changed my view of shed hunting. I'm really? the guy now, dude, once I have my own property, I'm going to have like 15 beagles and have them all trained for shed hunting and just I send them it. out and then let them rip and go pick up whatever they find. Cause when, when you walk up on a brown shed and oh. you know, you know, that other five point side is somewhere like now it's on first you're yeah. just scanning like hopefully there's something around here once you find one you're like that other one's here and i'm not yeah. stopping until i find it and we ended yeah. up finding i don't remember the total count i want to say it was like 27 or so uh oh, that we God. found and dude steven was disappointed that that's how many he's like man I, he's got a real strong louisiana accent and he's like man Dude, I just thought that I would get you on more sheds. Like, I was hoping for the 60s. And I'm like, Jeez. 60? But that dude, a couple of years ago, found 700 sheds. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. That's a different world. I I would be like you. I'd be like, I'd find one, and then I'd be ecstatic. And then if I found the match set, I'd be like, okay, I'll be at the truck. Yeah. Like, you have fulfilled my trip. Dude, <laughs> the first ever brown I found, we found the, the match to it a couple hundred yards away across a dirt road and down three benches. And we found the match set to it. And it was, it was nuts. I mean, we had the best time and it's something that I hope to do every year. But now yeah. the other thing that I want to do, I want to find a moose shed real bad. Oh, oh you got to come up here. Cause that I have found a couple of those. Yeah. We got a, my good friend of mine has a trap line in BC and well, I'm not even shed hunting. We were cutting trail for their trap line and fishing and stuff. And we, we almost ran over like four, like giant sheds. Oh my giant. gosh, dude, yeah. that would, that would be like way up on my, so running a trap line, first of all, that's like so high on my bucket list, man. I can't even imagine going out. Oh my goodness. Look at that thing. I know you <laughs> listeners can't yeah. see this, but. Dude, I, I cannot keep... imagine coming across a brown moose shed. Yeah, it's wild, man. And this one's a little older. I know they can't see, but uh... yeah. And I'd lose fit. my mind, man. I, I yeah. would lose my mind. Steven, well, that... when, when we went out with Steven, it's funny because he finds so many sheds that like, unless they're high quality, like they're either hard white or hard brown. He, he doesn't want anything to do with them. So we lined them all out to get a picture. And then he starts taking like the more chalky white ones and just chucking them. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, do you guys want these? I said, dude, I will take any shed that you're getting rid of. And he ended up just letting us take all of them. And really? he's like, I find these all the time. You guys can have these. And I'm like, you were just going to throw away these, even though they were chalk white for me. I'm like. That's just another memory, cool. you know, like, yeah, I'll, you gotta I'll have a shed hunt. I would, I would come shed hunt. That would be sick, dude. He'd be down to have you. So I'll send you some dates. And if it works out, man, yeah. come join us. Oh, I would for sure. Yeah. You have to send me some because up here too. We don't like, 
I've never went shed hunting for elk. Like in the area yeah. we go, I guess I, I could start going. I've never like thought to go, but like that, like I don't even need to keep any. I would just come along and have a blast with like, oh my God, it sounds unreal. Because shed hunting is, it's one of those things where like, like last year I went and took my girlfriend and it was the first time she'd kind of been out and I found a nice white tail shed right off the bat. And like, she's like the look on your face, you're just like, like <laughs> eyes wide open, mouth dropped, like so excited. When you find one, it's just the best. But when oh, you really walk is. and you find nothing, it's just demoralizing. <laughs> it, dude, that's how it was for us, man. All I could find, I found a couple little chunks of like pink. I mean, they were so old, they were pink. And they were, I mean, the second, third, fourth, and fifth were all gone. I don't know how big they were, but it's like you find the pedicle and the brow tine and that's it. And it's just <laughs> like, come on, man. I can't wait. I want to find one. I want to find one. And my buddy Chris came with the video for me. And what's funny is looking back, there's like, there were these weird moments when I would find them. Like they called me on the radio at one point and they're like, dude, why don't you go ahead and head this way? And the only reason I found my first brown is because they called me. And when they <laughs> called me, I stopped and just looked over. Like I pulled, I was like, oh crap, had to get the radio out. And I looked over and immediately was like, oh man, there it is. Like walked over, <laughs> picked it up, got some pictures. And then the, the other time I found this giant hard white and it was like a year old, but just gorgeous. It was busted off on one point, but just beautiful. And it's because Steven called me on the radio. And he's like, hey, Dan, why don't you head this way? I think I just found your other brown. And I was like, no way. And I start walking and 10 steps into walking over to him. I mean, he's like a thousand yards away. Yeah. And 10 steps into walking, I look giant, hard white. Antlers. Oh, man. And then uh, there was twice when I told Chris, I'm like, dude, there has got to be a shed around here, man. Like, I just can't believe we've been walking this far. And I was getting frustrated. You know, you go so long and there's nothing. And I was like in the middle of saying like, dude, there has got to. And I'm like, oh, brown, 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 brown. And it was literally <laughs> propped up like it would be on a on an elk's head up against this yeah. giant rock, like right in the middle oh, of the trail. Man. And it just fell perfectly and leaned against the rock. Oh, and that's unreal. I'm telling is... you, man, it's unbelievable actually oh, yeah. finding one out there. I got to come then. That would be so sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, like you say, that's kind of like ramping up into what's happening right now. Like what, when do you guys go? Like I said, they're around here. So they're normally starting. We're going to go April. We're going to go early yeah, okay. April. Uh, he said most of them will have dropped by the end of March. And yeah, so, cause elk drop last, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, like that's... I've got, I've got a buck actually, he's been on camera since two years ago and, yeah. uh, he developed a real hard limp in his right leg. And just last night I got a picture of a deer and I'm like, dude, those look like bare pedicles. Like that looks like a buck that's dropped, which this is early for bucks to drop here. And yep. so I downloaded the video on my phone cause it was only a picture and I see this hard right limp and I'm like, dude, he's freshly dropped like in the last 24 hours. So I got to go out yeah. and see if I can't find it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's fun when you do find it. I say that cause I, I struggle around here and yeah, you do. Yeah. It's like anything. Right. But it is a blast when you find something and elk would be unreal. Yeah. 
Well, dude, I appreciate you hopping on, man. Episode 200 yeah. is in the yeah. books. And uh, yeah, we, we've got each other's numbers. I'll, I'll text you some dates right away. And then we, we just got to get on a hunt together, man. Oh yeah, we got just, it. Yeah. 100%. Hey, how about this? I'll take you shed hunting. You drop me at that watering hole next September. <laughs> I'll bring you out. <laughs> we can make it. We can make a plan. We'll figure something out. We'll just triple. We'll just shoot all three of the bulls this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because when the other bull left, like I, I don't know where it went. Like I just blackout. I. It's like it wasn't there. But yeah, it could have been a triple. We say that all the time. <laughs> dude, that's sweet. Well, dude, thanks again, man. Congrats on the awesome season, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We'll stay in touch, bud.